1: Oh, my
2: God.
1: Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I am Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We're back after taking the Titans bye week off uh, to, well, you know, we got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the Patriots game since we didn't get the chance to do that last week. But, but mainly what we're going to be doing throughout this episode is looking ahead at the rest of the season because the Titans have five games left. They currently sit at eight and four. They're near the top of the AFC. They no longer have the top spot uh, after losing two straight games, one to Houston and one to New England. But they're right there. They're neck and neck and with some guys getting healthy and coming back. We're going to talk about whether this team is capable of getting the number one seed in the AFC, we're also going to be talking about who specifically will be coming back for this team, who we can expect to be out there on Sunday that hasn't been out there lately, and we'll talk about what needs to happen with the Titans to reverse course of this little skid that they've been on over the last two weeks. Guys, welcome back. I don't know if you can hear it, those of you who are listening. I'm a little bit under the weather. I'm, I'm, I'm powering through it as best as I can. I've got a little... I've managed to get a little bit of power to come out of my voice. It's maybe not as up to snuff as it typically is. Uh, but but guys, did you enjoy the bye week, the week off? And uh, I, I guess we'll just start there.
3: I did enjoy the bye week. It was nice to not have to... Worry about the Titans, which seems like that's all we've been doing uh, recently. All these injuries have really taken a toll on the team and in turn it's taking a toll on fans because they're not seeing uh, the best product uh, that should be out there uh, like we had been seeing earlier in the season. So it was nice to get a bye week away from the Titans, to be honest, and just kind of uh, kind of relax and, and watch some football. Unfortunately, the Bills didn't come through uh, on Monday night. Uh, that would have been nice. It would have made the bye week a little better. But I'm glad the Titans seem to be getting healthier. Uh, they got some rest and, yeah, just ready to ready to attack the rest of the season.
0: Uh, no, it was miserable. It is not fun when the Titans lose and you head into the bye week. Uh, that is awful. It's good that they were getting healthier, but, man... Losing back, like the lowest point of the season being drug out while everybody basically runs the Titans name through the mud and talks about how there's no real contenders in the AFC other than the Patriots and somehow the Colts is not how I enjoyed spending my off week.
1: The talk heading into the bye week for the Titans was,, has there ever been a team in NFL history? that needed a bye week more? Because like I said earlier, they were on a two-game skid. They were very clearly starting to run out of juice. And with the pileup of injuries, it, it was, I'm sure, becoming very difficult for Todd Downing and Shane Bowen to you know, manufacture a game plan, especially against New England. How much do you think the bye week can serve as a reset for the Titans? Maybe even beyond just it was a week of rest for guys to get healthy like how much can we expect the the titans team that we see moving forward to not look like what we saw against Houston and New England
3: i do think it's probably it was probably important to them from a mental standpoint i mean losing two games in a row especially one of them being to the texans and then you go to new england Uh, have to travel there in the cold, and you end up getting crushed by the end of the game just because you turned the ball over so many times. Like That's mentally draining, those types of games, those types of losses. So I think this bye week should have done them a lot of good in that department uh, in addition to getting some of these guys healthier. And, I mean, I know we can't say that they're just going to crush the Jaguars, but I feel like they're going to come out pretty determined uh, in this game against the Jaguars team that, that's lifeless, like they have no life. They, they're they terrible. The The players seem to have already turned on Urban Meyer. Uh, the Titans should come in and, and crush them, especially at home. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I feel like they should. And if they're in the right mental space and they get a couple of players back from injury or, or at least a little bit healthier, I think that's what we should expect from them.
0: Yeah, and the sad thing is, really, against the Patriots, they didn't look bad, necessarily. Like, the running game was better than it's been at any point this season. So, like, there have been some positives, not not really in that Texans game, but there were some positives to take away from the Patriots game. It's just, you know, how much do, you know one or two players help how many players do they need to get back before they don't feel as broken like that remains to be seen just because until we know how much practice they get together and how you know conditioned and you know how ready some of these guys are to go like we have to find that out first before we can say that it won't look like it has in the past but at this point every little bit helps and the week off especially helps
1: i want to say this about Really, each of the last two games, and I wrote this after the Patriots game, and a lot of people didn't like it, I, as banged up as the Titans have been, I don't know that, you know, maybe against Houston, but against New England, I don't think injuries are why they lost that game, because they were in that game until late in the third quarter, what, why the Titans are 0-2 in their last two games is not that hard to figure out. It's because they've turned the ball over nine times. That, it, that is like totally unacceptable. It's sad. And it's got to stop. That's why the Titans are 0-2 in their last two, because they've turned the ball over literally nine times. It sounds like I'm being hyperbolic. You know, nine turnovers in two games. No, like that They've actually turned it over nine times in two games. Like How patently ridiculous is that?
3: yeah you're not wrong that that's that's why they they lost those two games but i mean the turnovers i guess we can say are a byproduct of the injuries just because i don't see derrick henry fumbling two times uh in one game and if he's in that patriots game like that outcome could be totally different uh, and then you think about the fact the receivers that tannehill has been throwing to like I think that has something to do with a lot of the interceptions that he's throwing. So I think they go hand in hand, but you are right. Like they could have won both of those games rather easily. Like they weren't in that Patriots game for a, a long duration of the game. Um, But it's just like they ran out of gas a lot, like we've talked about. So I don't know. I mean, but I think I, the I, Titans
1: I, are 2-0 and oh in those games if they turn up the all over five times instead of nine.
3: Yeah, yeah, That. That's that's true. Um, although Will is is going to say that, that Downing was the problem because we probably shouldn't have thrown fifty times in that Texans game to begin with. So I, uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I mean, I I wasn't going to say that, but you're not wrong. Like it, it is a bad idea to throw fifty times in the rainstorm. Uh, but like, yeah, it's it's like saying you know I don't know. Like you you are right. Like turning the ball over like that, like isn't sustainable, but there is a pretty direct correlation with players who were targeted or who had the ball when that was happening and players who aren't normally starters or who played on practice squad. Like the, the offense just when you've got guys out there who don't know where they're supposed to run, who drop passes, you know, all that kind of stuff. uh, That's not very fun. And then it typically leads to bad things. And then the defense has to play on their heels because, I mean, when David Long's not in there, they just don't have any teeth. Like, they they really tighten up and don't want to get aggressive. Up. And there you go. Uh, they they don't like seem to attack the same way on the defensive line, and I don't know why that is. Um, you can find a lot of clips of Jayon Brown just not being in the right spot, which you know. I mean, they they don't really have another option to besides Jayon Brown right now. He's going to get playing time, so that kind of is what it is. But I mean, if everybody can get healthier and you can get nine starters on both sides of the ball, I think these pressure situations like the third downs and, you know, fourth downs and all that thing, I think those all look a little bit better. You get a little less of those dumb turnovers and you get a little more creating turnovers on the defensive side. Like, I think it looks better.
1: I... Yeah, it, it, it hadn't been good over the last two games. But as we talk about the fate of this team and we're gonna get into the injuries more, we'll talk about who's coming back. But looking ahead to the fate of this Titans team in the rest of the season, I I think that Super Bowl is still in play. Now, we'll talk about seeding momentarily, but in term you know, they're gonna get to the playoffs. And in terms of can this Titans team get to the Super Bowl, I don't see why not. And but that isn't about really what the Titans have shown me or have shown us. It's more about what the rest of the top of the AFC has not shown. And I'm not saying that you know, oh, the Bills are frauds or the Ray, you know, anything like that. What I'm saying is. There is no powerhouse team in the AFC where you look at and you're like, man, we don't want to face them. Like, you don't want to catch that smoke. It's like, okay, the Bills, you know, Josh Allen great quarterback, had some bad games. The Bengals played really well in stretches, looked awful in other stretches. Same with the Chargers, all over the place. Lamar Jackson has been terrible lately. Like, you look at these top AFC teams and there's nothing spectacular about them. They're good teams, I think, but they're not, you know, again, it's not like, you know, oh, you don't want that smoke. So I tend to think that I'm not even going to say if the Titans get Henry back. Like, I'm going to say if they get two of the three of Henry, Jones, and Brown back, and, and Jones looks like will be back sooner than later. Like, I think if they get two of those three back, I don't know how you could look at the Titans and say, well, they've just got no shot. I totally,
3: I totally agree. Like this, this has been just a weird season in general and it's it hard has. to judge the times it, it's hard. It's hard to judge them as a team because there've been so many ups and downs, but so many of the downs have been a result of a lot of these injuries and other circumstances. So I, I don't know, like I agree with you. I think they are very much still in play as a Super Bowl contender because they have shown when they're at least not like, Everyone's in the hospital, like as long as they're semi healthy, like they could be, you know, the best teams in the league. They beat the Chiefs, they beat the Bills, uh, they crushed the Rams. Like they've already done this and they've shown pro- they've proven to be capable of doing this even within this season. And if they just get some of these guys back, like Derrick Henry is a huge part, a huge part of the team. So is A.J. Brown. Julio Jones hasn't been eight yet, but he can be. Like he was in that in that Seattle Seahawks game, so like yeah, like I don't see too many teams that are outright better than them, especially in the AFC. Like you ran through them a little bit, but every team has flaws. The only team I really don't want to play again is the Patriots in New England, just because they seem to be one of the luckiest teams I've seen in, in quite a while. Like you don't you don't win a game throwing three passes in the whole game. Uh, without being a little bit lucky, so and and even the Titans game where they get the two fumbles um, on a couple of on a couple of running plays, so I, I would like to avoid them again. But you ran through it. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson looks terrible, and they also just lost their best cornerback, Marlon Humphrey, for the season. They are one one of the most injured teams in the NFL. The Chiefs cannot throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. Apparently, they, their offense seems to be in, in shambles. The Chargers are the Chargers. The Bengals just got crushed by the Chargers. Bills, can't, I cannot figure them out for the life of me. And then that's it for the playoff teams. And we really have no reason to be scared of any of them.
0: Yeah, there's, there's nobody who really feels like they have a second weapon. Like i guess maybe the chargers but really it's like you know what you're going to get from every team and you feel like if you can take away what they're doing well you can beat them so yeah like even in the nfc like not that we have to worry about this but there's like ever since the cardinals lost against the Patriots or against the uh packers and then you know the Packers just don't look very crisp, and it seems like Aaron Rodgers is just super discontent, and he was talking about David Bakhtiari today half-jokingly about how Bakhtiari said he'd be back week one if Aaron Rodgers showed up and then he hadn't played all season. And, you know, I don't know. Like, there just doesn't feel like a true, like, number one, like, you know, come with the king, better not miss kind of team this year. So, yeah, like, when you say all that, like, if the Titans, if you drop the Titans into the playoffs and they have David Long, AJ Brown, Derek Henry, uh, Bud Dupree, like, uh, I mean, Julio, I guess if he comes back this week, like, are they the like most talented team in the playoffs? Like, I mean, maybe I think there's a legitimate case for it at that point, but I mean you know you have to get to that point first so but yeah like in terms of can this team make the super bowl like absolutely like the buy is still very much up for grabs for anybody and whoever gets the buy is going to face you know a group of a group like half you know you get to by definition play half as many teams in the playoffs like you get that you know bottom half cut out and then you play other imperfect teams who didn't get two weeks to prepare
2: for you like that it's just a big advantage. Let's talk about who they're going to get back, because
1: immediately, who we think of is the trio of Julio Jones, Racy McMath, and Dane Crookshank, all three of whom were designated to return from injured reserve late last week. Obviously, the big name of those three is Julio Jones. I mentioned a second ago that I think the Titans can make it to the Super Bowl if they get two of the three of Jones, Brown, and Henry healthy. And while Jones, you know, right now is just going to be by himself out of that trio, it's a major life boost if this guy can come back because, you know, I think Nick Westbrook Akina is a good player. I I do. And I think that if you put Nick Westbrook-Akina with Julio Jones and Westbrook can sort of be a role player and the second guy, like, that just in, in, injects so much life into this because now Tannehill has Julio Jones and Nick Westbrook, who Westbrook is—I'll ask this real quick. Do y'all think Nick Westbrook now is better than Tajay Sharp was at his best for the Titans? No.
2: Um. No.
3: I mean, I think they're similar. But, yeah, I, no. I don't.
0: I guess it's just two different shades. Like, I don't think either one of them are as good as like Rashard Matthews. I guess, like,
1: well, who yeah, Richard Matthews is well, a thousand well, yard receiver.
0: Well, I'm trying to think of a guy who would be like the a, a good wide receiver three on this team, like almost overrated, like or almost overqualified. Hey, he's
3: killing it out in Detroit. Like, they're like Zay Jones. Nick Westbrook is like Zay Jones. Yeah, With the same person.
1: Well, but beside the point, like, throwing to those two guys as opposed to the the trio of Westbrook and, uh, you know, Rogers and Des Fitzpatrick, who anything to get that guy off the field is going to be helpful. Like, that's huge. And you also potentially get Golden Tate in there, who, if nothing else, will be where he's supposed to be. He might not get there quickly, but... <laughs>
3: This team is hilarious because there are players that just like should not be, should not be on the team, and we just did not. Is like, did you guys know Buster Screen is on the team? I was oh, not yeah. even
2: aware oh,
3: of, of
0: this. Oh, you guys, number knew. thirty-eight or some weird crazy number. <laughs>
3: Apparently, like this this season has been something else. I just I just want them to get healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting because. Like you talk about Nick Westbrook-Akina, and he like he's fine. Like I don't think I think he is like a bit like a mix between Tajay Sharp and Adam Humphreys. Like Hmm. I think he's a little bit thicker than both of those guys and better blocker, but I don't think he's as quick as Humphreys, and I don't think he can quite. I don't think he can do quite as much as like a longer rangier receiver as Tajay Sharp did at points, but like just that utility, like he can find the soft spot, like he can catch a pass and like get a few yards extra. Like, I I don't, I don't think he's a bad player, but if you go in and he's your fifth receiver in the playoffs behind AJ, Julio, uh, uh, Golden Tate and Racy McMath who remember Racy McMath was getting uh, people don't talk about this Racy McMath was getting snaps in like week 1 and 2 as like the first receiver off the bench like with the offense so you have to think that the coaching staff like is mildly intrigued by him and like interested in trying to see what he's got and uh, much more so than Fitzpatrick so I- I'm curious to see what they do with him when he comes back because if he comes back this week then Theoretically, you get Julio, Nick Westbrook, Ahina, and Racy McMath, who were two of your top five receivers for, or three of your top five receivers from the start of the season, which would be interesting.
1: So, aside from those three, Jones, Crookshank, and by the way, Crookshank, I think as I saw our, our friend uh, Tyler Rowland at Tic Tac Titans point out. I think Crookshank can open some things up on defense with what he can do as a dime linebacker. But beyond those three of McMath, Crookshank, and Julio Jones, uh, I I think the other big names or at least big impact guys you could get back this week as the Titans are uh, Rashawn Evans, David Long, that's probably the big one, Long, uh, Tier Tart, and Ola Adaini. Those are all guys who could come back. On the defensive side of the ball, David Long coming back I think would be similar to the defense, to Julio Jones going back to the offense, just inject some life into them because Long plays the linebacker position like a bullet shot out of a gun, and we don't see that when he's not out there.
3: Yeah, he's just like an infectious player like he gets everyone going just because like you said like he will shoot a gap and make a play and then he'll celebrate and then everyone starts to get fired up and you start seeing the cornerbacks come up and make plays like he, he's that type of guy and he kind of injects that type of life into the defense so I think he's probably probably the most important one on the defense at least that that we would like to get back um and I know we talked a lot about Rashawn Evans just not being all that great, but I mean, we need bodies, you know, like guys need to be kept fresh, uh, especially for for this for this stretch run. Like as many bodies of at least decent players that we could get uh, back, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be important for for everyone.
1: I'll tell you what, Rashawn Evans is a lot better than Nick DeZubnar.
3: <laughs> yeah, Dylan Cole, who dropped a pick well, six.
0: Well, I mean. <laughs> At least he was close to the ball. Like, I, I've, I've rarely seen Rashawn Evans with a pass breakup. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, the main guys there are David Long and Tier Tartt, right? Like, those are two guys who, with tart who is probably more of a, a quote-unquote rotational starter. But when he's in the whole defensive line just seems to do better and get more penetration and be more active because he's so quick against centers and he's so big that if he gets in the backfield, he's just such a like wide body that you can't just sidestep him like you can some other guys. And then, I mean, I, I don't want to make Long sound like he's some all-pro or whatever, but he's – like he's really he's always been this way just really fast and aggressive to the ball and now that he's gotten a little bit more patient and he started to cover better like he's a real like he's the clear number one linebacker on this defense so you know we'll see how they they go a i mean when a healthy and going great like i mean you know he can he can give you some speed off the edge and all that, but his contr- contributions are mainly special teams. But I mean, having those guys back, like just just the option to play those guys and the depth. And okay, you know, go out and give Landry a breather for two plays. You know, go play special teams so that our starting linebackers don't have to be on special teams. Like little things like that to give guys more time to rest and game plan for the next drive. Like that that's huge.
1: I want to transition now into a Todd Downing conversation. Because last week we took the week off, Will was like I'm getting my Todd Downing takes in. So Will went on the Locked On Titans podcast last week. Uh we're we're going to let Will give his Downing takes on on our platform now. Uh and, and Will what I'm most curious about for you Because you've been very negative toward Downing really all season, but especially lately on Twitter, I I see it from you constantly. So what I'm going to ask you is, what is Todd Downing's biggest weakness in your mind? We're going to get Will's answer to that question in just one bit. You're listening to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. All right, Will. Todd Downing's biggest weakness is what?
0: Uh, well, it's a lot to choose from. Uh, I, his big his biggest weakness is probably that he does the defensive coordinator's job for them. Oh no! So what? What I mean, what I mean by that is when things are working, it, he doesn't. He's afraid to continue to attack the same thing over and over. He feels the need to constantly throw counter punches when the straight right works just fine. So, for example, like against New England, they had two running backs. I think Hilliard had over 10 yards per carry, and uh, together the running backs averaged like 7.8 yards a carry. And despite that, they still, you know, through it 21 times something like that and you know i think that was just non-screen passes and it, you really didn't have to like there is a specific drive where every play was a run until they got into the red zone no i'm sorry until they got into goal to go and then two of the four plays they ran from that point were passes and it, look like i i understand that you know, you think you can't run it in those tight situations. You try to get clever and you try to pass and that's fine. Like I, I, I hear you. I understand the theory, but go back to Arthur Smith against Carolina back when he really started getting his feet underneath him. There was a half where they just didn't run Derrick Henry very often. It was, it was the first half where Dion Lewis got so many touches and then he like instantly fumbled and they were like, well, that was a bad idea. And so, The second half they came out and they had like a 9 or 11 play drive where they ran the ball every single time with Derrick Henry and scored a touchdown because you don't want to do the defensive coordinator's job for them. You want to force them to adjust and stop you before you stop doing something. If you try to get clever and outthink them and – you drop back to pass when you think they're expecting run and they're just staying in their normal pass defense, then you've wasted a down, you've lost your momentum and you put everybody in a bad situation. Like I'm not, I'm not going to keep talking about play action because I, I think that's, I think that's a more of a, it's like if somebody has a head wound and you're arguing about their haircut, like the, the problem is that I think Todd Downing should run more of that. Like, you look at the Patriots game, they averaged nine yards an attempt on the six play-action passes they had, but the problem is that he called 15 non-play-action passes. Like, you have to think about how that works. Like, the only thing that's working in that game is your running game, and why on earth would you not run play-action passes? And in, in, why would you choose to run empty sets with Cody Hollister, Nick Westbrook-Akina, uh, Des Fitzpatrick and whoever else was active, like you know, it like it, it's just common sense things. This is something that you've brought up before, but uh, there's an issue where he thinks every player should be treated exactly the same in terms of when they're on the field. Like there's no okay, we got to get AJ the ball here. Like there's no play specifically for other people. There's no well, we can't drop the same play with. Des Fitzpatrick that we do with Julio Jones, like it's just all the same thing. And it, I don't know, it's it's just like he's not watching the game. It's like he's not. It's like he can't see what works and what doesn't. And it's just the same mistakes over and over and over again.
3: I I feel like he has no feel. There's no rhythm. Yeah, to, to everything like, he calls Arthur Smith would get into a rhythm, and you could see it. Like he would he would keep running the same types of concepts. He would go down the field, he would come back the next drive, and he would do it all over again. Like, we're not, we're not getting that type of consistency, and I understand, like, he, he's not working with the same tools that Arthur Smith was last year because of all the injuries. But, I mean, a lot of it is it's just the, the plays that are, that are being called.
0: But the problem is, even when he has those tools, he doesn't call the game. I mean, week yeah, that's, one, that's a thing. like week yeah. one, you ran the thirty-second most pass, like play-action passes, and the offense had no rhythm. Like, I, I mean, it, he 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 play, calls plays like Terry Rubisky with less creativity. I mean, it's just like sure, like you're not running tight end, like you're not running crazy tight end sweeps or anything like that, but you're still as ineffective. You still don't marry concepts. You don't make things look the same pre snap. Like you, you My completely probably neutered downing. what was a great and offense.
1: On balance, I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he's been good or great. But I think the 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 contingent of Titans fans wanting him fired like that's a bit a bit much. But what gets me is it feels like every week he is up there at the podium talking about you know answering a question about why didn't you do this whether it's play action, or why'd you have to throw 50 times? Or The answer's always like, well, you know, that's what the game script dictated. And it is, He doesn't use those exact words, but he'll say things like, well, you know, when you're in the hole like we were, and you you get behind in a game, that's what happens. And, well, you know, when you get behind the chains and you're in 2nd and 12 and 3rd and 13, it's hard to run an effective play action. And, well, you know, when this happens, it's hard. Like, I feel like he is letting the game dictate his calls as opposed to him dictating the game. And I get that like, you know, play action on second and 12 and third and 13 is probably not effective. Great solution to that. As I've talked about on the radio last week and on primetime, when I was doing that great solution, uh, run, run it on first and 10. That's a great way to not have to run it on, on, you know, second and or third and behind the sticks. But it, it just feels like every week, He's saying, he's he's blaming something on the game script not going their way. Like, at a certain point, they've just got to impose their will. And, and I just, you know, recalled, because when Downing talked for the first time after Henry got hurt, he said, you know, I can't jerk the wheel. And Verbal said the same thing. He's like, we can't jerk the wheel. we got to keep our identity. And I asked him last week or, you know, whenever before the bye was, I'm like, What's the status report on that? How how closely have y'all stayed in tune to that identity? And and his answer was th- the same thing. He's like, "What's well, been great when we have allowed ourselves for it to be?"
2: It's like, dude, you just got to impose what you want to do, right? Yeah, yeah. He's terrible. I, I like. I agree, and also like the game script thing makes no sense to me because
3: how many times have they been behind? like unless you're down because of his calls. 24 points like you don't have to just throw every single play like
0: he should never talk about a game script or even think about a game script because his scripted plays are trash like he's like he is one of the most ineffective coaches in the NFL like on either side of the ball like it, the the things you want an offensive coordinator to do are to customize the playbook to fit your the talent you have on offense, he's completely failed at that, despite having the recipe for it left behind by the last guy and watching him do it he's he does it like the the plays you give him a full week to come up with are historically bad. I think we've scored one touchdown on our opening two drives like all season, you know uh, like he, he like It's just like he's not—he is not fit to be an offensive coordinator. Like he's been bad when he's been given chances. He had a chance to just basically copy what Arthur Smith did last year, and that's why he was hired. Like he wasn't hired from within to make this new empty set offense. Like they preached continuity Ah, and lied to everybody's faces. You know, Luke, you asked about every—he, okay, I'm
2: sorry. It, does this look like Arthur Smith's offense? Does this look I like mean, there's any the continuity between this and last year? Uh, other than the fact that they don't, I will run say into this. I remember they in they
1: Downing's opening press more. conference I mean, after may- getting maybe. this job. He said, "It's not my job to impose my will on this offense. It's my job to, you know, let the offense kind of do its do its thing." Uh,
2: he stayed true to that. <laughs> there hadn't been anything imposed on this offense. I mean, like, but look at like this like, offense. You know what's what? happened? What? is this what? offense until what, what was week
1: 10 was Derrick Henry and not much else. And then when they lost Derrick
2: Henry, it, all they were left was, was the not much else part. Like, I remember yeah, the three of Henry us, of it all.
1: after Henry went down, yeah, we talked I mean, on this podcast about, look, this offense is going to be worse, obviously, but it's going to be efficient, and they're going to keep running the football and going play action off of that. And, you know, look, on Sunday against the New England Patriots, they ran the ball exceptionally well, but there was nothing off of it. There was no play action to take advantage of that run game. And then, it, you know, Adrian Peterson wound up being not very good, but the identity hasn't been there, and and look when you talk about this offense, I think some blame can go to Tannehill, right? I, I think fans have been far too eager to say either you know it's all Tannehill's fault or you know well it's hard to blame Tannehill with the injuries. Well, when Tannehill throws the ball straight to Gruger Hill because he's staring down AJ Brown, that's not an injury issue, but. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Todd Downing is really putting him or the group in positions to succeed. There's just a lot of problems there. Like again, I'm going to bring that stat up: nine turnovers in two games. That doesn't just happen, you know, by chance. There, there are a lot of things
2: contributing to that. Yeah, that, that that's not normal. Like no team
3: should ever turn the ball over. Uh, Nine times, I don't care what the conditions are, Um, and and especially when your quarterback is Ryan Tannehill, who I know like has not been playing well this year. But he's not trash; like he's not, you know, Sam Darnold. Like there should not be this many interceptions and this many turnovers. And yeah, I I mean, it's just a collection of of things. A lot of things uh, have been going poorly. Uh, Hopefully, at least getting a little bit healthier will alleviate some of it. Um, but I, I, I do think Todd Downing has to be better. I think Tannehill has to be better. Um, and, you know, until they start making probably some schematic changes, I don't know if it's going to be all that much better heading into the playoffs.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's all, like,
3: uh,
0: it doesn't have to be this hard. Like, it, it really – the problem is, like, this offense could put up 24 points a game, 27 points a game with the people they have out there now. They just won't do it. Like, they won't go to a super heavy play-action offense. They won't go to a bootleg. They won't run primarily outside zone like they have in the past. And what you're left with is offensive linemen that don't fit the, the system that you're trying to run and aren't from, or don't have the chemistry that they should have wide receivers who are put at disadvantageous positions because when you run out of empty defenses know a pass is coming like there's no deception in the offense like it's just like you're going to keep getting the same thing over and over and you're going to keep making your quarterback uncomfortable and you know you're going to get what you get you know it's 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 unfortunate
1: let's switch sides of the ball defensively why have the sacks stopped how much of that is Bud Dupree? How much of that is something else? Because for a while there, all we could talk about was this Titans pass rush. And, oh, they need a nickname. Broadway Bullies. The Tickle Monsters. Oh, you know, Jeffrey Simmons for defensive player. that Like all this stuff.
2: And we're not having those conversations anymore because they have two sacks in two games. Yeah, well, well, some of it is Bud Dupree being injured, but I also
3: think, I, I mean, it, it's just like normal regression. I fair. think they were kind of out kicking their coverage in terms of how much pressure they were they were getting. Like, I, it seemed a little bit unsustainable, uh, especially when you factored in like that a lot of these players like were on the team last year, uh, and I know a lot changed for the better, but I, I do think they were probably you know over overproducing uh in that department. But I don't know, like I kinda wanna just throw these last two games out of the window and and just chalk them up as as like anomalies. Like we've talked about it, it just seemed like they completely ran out of gas. Um and the offense not doing anything just like it does not help the defense at all. Like running more plays, having, you know, having to watch your offense go three and out and get negative yardage consistently like that affects you as a defensive player like i i bet they they put their helmets on and they're like all right oh man we got to do this again we got to go make a play again and at a certain point like that that starts to catch up to you
0: yeah and they they're never gonna rush a mobile quarterback like they're just too scared to like it, it yeah. The, yeah. I mean, that's what they do when they don't like and at the very least when they don't have an athletic linebacker, like long behind them to kind of spy, like they're just not going to do it. Like they're, they're going to kind of try to keep the outside contain, maybe work a game or two on the inside. But I mean, they were never going to try to get after Tyrod Taylor. Like that was never going to be the plan. Mac Jones. I mean, they really got zero sacks in the game against the Texans and then two sacks in the last game. So, you know, Against a non mobile quarterback, because I don't think that Mac Jones has been sacked a ton. Like, I, I could be wrong, but I think that offensive line has done a pretty good job, and they've done a pretty good job scheming, you know, basically release valves out of the backfield if pressure gets too bad. So I, I do think some of that will adjust itself, but yeah, like, it, they just haven't, like, the, when it gets down to it, like, Bud Dupree not being there is hard on them because. They just don't seem to stunt as effectively, and Dupree, like, everybody talks about, like, his win rate or whatever. I I don't really know how much of that is on him because there's a lot of times where there's a three-man game with Landry looping around to, like, uh, Dupree's B-gap, basically. And Dupree's job is to sit there and make sure that the quarterback doesn't have a chance to rush out of the pocket and escape. Like, he's kind of the responsible one while the other guys get to play. And, and that's what made that defense work really well. And so then all of a sudden when you get flash pressure from Dupree and it ends up with Wentz throwing a pick six like that, that's what you get off of it. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe that'll clear up when he comes back. Maybe it's a long thing. I'm not quite sure.
1: When we come back, I want to talk about something that I don't think enough people are talking about in, in regard to what the Titans can get out of having had this buy. I feel like my college journalism professors would not have liked the grammatical structure of that sentence. to But that's what we're going to talk about in 30 seconds. We're also going to do Stop the Nonsense. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. So we know that the bye week has been good for or or will prove to be good for getting certain guys back. You know, for example, Julio Jones would have been able to return even if the Titans didn't have a bye week. He had already sat out three games, but getting that fourth week of rest, right, that's a big deal. And there's lots of situations like that, Long and Evans, etc. But what the Titans will also be getting back potentially is a normalized practice schedule. Because over the last few weeks leading into the bye, Wednesdays had become basically a walk-through day for the Titans. They would do striders on the field, jogging around, and then they'd go into the bubble and do a walk-through. And it was because they were so hurt that they really could only get in one day of practice without aggravating themselves. Vrabel asked about that on Monday, said he hopes to be able to get back to a more normalized practice schedule this week. Now, I don't know how big of a difference that makes, but
2: it's certainly a difference, right? Um, I'm not sure. I didn't really play
3: football, so I really (laughs) couldn't tell you. Will, would you care to give us the expertise? Uh,
0: it, It probably doesn't matter as much for a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars who you played against. It probably would have mattered more against the Patriots, and definitely would have mattered more against the Texans, just because when you're only walking through stuff, you can't get full speed. Like, okay, this is how this quarterback moves. Like, make sure you're actually running to the ball when people are running around. Like, you're kind of half walking and just you know two hand touching and all that. So that that's the biggest difference is like dealing with knowing where you need to be through
2: contact. If that makes any sense. Um, does it, does it,
3: like, help them to not get contact, like, during the week? Like, I don't well, I don't even know how many...
0: It's not, it's not like they're getting, like, full tackling drills or anything. It's more like... uh. So, okay, a good example of this is in the Texans game, Larell Murchison or somebody, like, went the wrong way and tried to penetrate and got in Jeffrey Simmons' way on uh, what I'm assuming was a stunt. And basically blocked Simmons, and it was like, I don't know if it was a second down or a third down or something, but Tyrod Taylor kind of tucked it and just ran for like an easy 12 yards, and this was like, I don't know if it was right after half, it was right after something, it couldn't have been after halftime, because they did such a good job after halftime, but it was on a drive where they had obviously just talked about it, and he got in his way. Like, if you have a a week of practice where, like, you're actually running into the spots instead of just talking about it and walking through. Like, you don't necessarily make those mistakes. So, it's little things like that. Like, it's not like, oh, they get to finally tackle somebody to the ground. Like, that, that shouldn't be an issue.
2: Yeah, the good
3: thing is they play the Jaguars, so they re- really don't have to worry about anything, period, because it doesn't seem like they have... Any sort of yeah. plan with anything
0: they do on offense. They're not juggernauts like the Texans or anything.
2: <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I want to
1: talk about Jacksonville. Mainly the quarterback. Is Trevor Lawrence just not that good? Because I know the And, and I'm not saying I believe that. I'm asking for your opinion. I, I know the coaching has not been there. Nor has the talent... But also, typically, even on bad teams, good rookie quarterbacks
2: elevate. And he hasn't. He's in an impossible spot. Like, he, he
3: cannot he cannot succeed in this environment. Like, he has everything going against him. I don't think he's been all that good, like, in, in general. I don't think he's been awful. Like, if he was... Bad, like really bad. He would be turning the ball way, turning the ball over way more um, than he has been. But I mean, Urban Meyer just does not know what he's doing. Their offensive staff, there's like a disconnect. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Urban Meyer had a press conference and he was like surprised that James Robinson was in the game towards the end of that game uh, when he had come in uh, banged up. But apparently the running backs coach is the one who makes the rotation and they just thought they wanted to get him snaps at the end of the game, even though he was banged up. Um, and that comes in the same game that James Robinson had gotten benched for a fumble in order to get Carlos Hyde the ball more because when you have when you have Carlos Hyde, you have to establish him at this point in his career. Um, so like it's stuff like that. Like it, it, their offense is in shambles. And, and Trevor Lawrence is throwing to. Marvin Jones, who's still okay, but he's 32 years old. LaVisca Chenault seems like a gadget player. Uh, DJ Chark is injured. He's thrown to James O'Shaughnessy as his number one, you know, safety valve. Like it, it's it's bad. Uh, so I, I don't. I'm not judging Trevor Lawrence too much because I think he's in an impossible situation. But I also agree that he hasn't elevated anyone. But I don't know who really could given what he's dealing with
0: yeah i'm looking at his numbers now he's only thrown more than one touchdown in a game once and it was week one against houston
1: yeah that's bad
0: yeah it's like if you take that houston game out he had three touchdowns and three interceptions so let's be nice and wipe it out on both sides he'll he would only have six touchdowns and seven interceptions all year long
1: he's only thrown nine touchdowns
0: yeah he's he's got nine touchdowns
1: They don't score
0: points. They I mean, score like seven points a game. <laughs> he's thrown the ball 426 times.
1: That's a lot.
0: That to only have like nine
1: touchdowns.
0: Yeah. And he's been sacked at least once in every game. So, <sighs> I mean, yeah, like Matias is right. Like, it is truly an impossible situation. Like, not only like with that staff and that talent, but just like with the feeling of like, Urban Meyer coming in clearly not knowing what was going to happen and saying like this isn't a rebuilding year like I expect to win the division this year and then just getting tossed around like a rag doll like I mean it's it's bad there like I I don't I don't know how they get out of that like I don't know if they're even going to like for a long time I thought they were going to fire Urban Meyer now I don't know like they may just keep him because they they've come out and seemingly said that they were standing behind him and that they, they want him to
2: build their culture. But, man, I, I just don't know. The Titans better crush this team, by the way. I, I, I might
3: actually be, like, upset if they only went by
1: four points or something. I mean, I'll I mean, always say the most uh, dominant performance I've ever seen by a football team, in person anyway, was the Jags trip here in 2019, which would have been the last time I was at a Titans Jags game? Obviously, things are a lot different now, but this is a team that the Titans dominate. When was the last time Jacksonville beat the Titans? It was that Thursday night game oh, with Minshew? Right. Man,
0: this feels this feels like bad juju. Jamil uh, Douglas.
1: Yeah. It yeah. Was Minshew. Week, uh,
0: week 19, right? Like, or sorry, uh, 2009, 2018. Uh,
1: no, twenty it was no, 20, Thursday night no, football twenty nineteen. Like we were that night, was, that was the week that I think I was pretty much officially out on Mariota.
0: Yeah, and then I had to have surgery a few weeks later, and then uh I was like, All right, maybe I'll karmically, maybe I'll get a win from uh the Titans the next week. And then it was like, <laughs> Nope, we get shut out against the Broncos and Mariota gets benched and never gets the job back. And at the time it was a very devastating time for me.
1: All right, it is time for stop the nonsense. What do we got, guys?
0: I'll start mine uh so speaking of offensive coordinators earlier and how you know the the wrong ones get fired sometimes, uh Joe Brady getting fired by the Carolina Panthers because he couldn't make it work with no Christian McCaffrey and with Teddy Bridgewater the ghost of Cam Newton and Sam Darnold is unacceptable because if people forget, but there was a time in the first three games of the season where Joe Brady was making Sam Darnold work and everybody was so happy to yell and laugh about how Adam Gase was terrible at his job, which is true. But everybody was so quick to say that they forget that Joe Brady was the one making all that work. And now the guy who basically, Turned Joe Burrow from just a name to a Heisman winner and who helped the best, you know, LSU offense in decades. I mean, maybe maybe ever like is LSU, maybe the best
1: college football offense ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For like for real like that. Like and people, you know, look at their talent, but they don't remember that uh, Justin Jefferson I believe was like a three-star or a two-star player coming out of college. Like, you know, Justin Jefferson did a lot of that on his own. But it's not like he was, you know, a five-star like blue-chip guy. Like, maybe, like I'm, I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding something here. But the fact that he could create talent out of nothing there, and he made it passable in years one and two, despite getting no help from the front office, like. Somebody should hire him immediately Like NFL Whatever like just offer him like An advisory job and then Evaluate after the end of the year when you have him under Contract but I mean the guy Clearly knows football give him Give him a Jim Schwartz job or something but Man what a cluster
1: Speaking of uh, Justin Jefferson his head coach Needs to be fired Oh
3: it's been It's been time for a while But yes for sure yeah um I just want to say about Joe Brady, like last year with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback, they almost had three one thousand yard receivers. Like Curtis Samuel, I think he might have missed a game or two. He had eight fifty. The other two were over a thousand yards. Like the guy's a good coach and he's thirty two years old. So he's gonna get picked up quick. He might he might be going to the Miami Hurricanes with uh crystal ball. So let's hope uh let's hope that one happens for for my sake.
1: What about LSU with Brian
3: Kelly? No. And his, his southern accent.
2: Look, <laughs> his I'm
1: southern. here with my
2: family.
0: <laughs> where where he should go is he should go to Oklahoma with Venables because he he's the one who put it on Venables' defense when Clemson and you were in the national championship. Venables should just say, you can have all the offense. I'll stay out of your way. Let's go win some titles.
1: All right, I got mine. And this is probably long overdue. I'm tired of Titans fans caring what the national media thinks. And this is not like, a, you know, oh, I saw something today and I have to respond to it. It's just like, I did see something today. But it was, it's the culmination. Like, you know, every time the Titans aren't number two in power rankings, people freak out. It's like, well, first of all, they've lost two games in a row. I don't know why you would expect the national media to buy into this right now. But, like, you you cannot on one hand say... The national media knows nothing about the Titans and Keith Beard and why do people not think Derek Henry's the MVP? Obviously they're not paying any attention. And then also say, I want those people to like me or like the team. Like you you cannot it, it is a cognitive dissonance to say these people have no clue what they're talking about, they're detached from reality, they're not paying attention. And then say, but I want those people to like me. Because that will validate me. Just stop caring. Stop paying attention. Care what your local folks think. Care what maybe a select few of the national media think. You know, your, your Peter Schrager's and Kyle Brandt's. The people who are in, in tune with the Titans. But in terms of the narrative of the national media at large... Stop caring, it's dumb. They're they they do not know. Also, side note, weird. The New York Post ran a story about Ryan Tannehill going on vacation during the bye week. Oh, why well, I don't know why that was a story, and it wasn't like it wasn't posed as like how dare he, which makes it perhaps even weirder that that was considered news, especially for the New York Post. A major news publication in a major U.S. city. Weird, but hey, good for Ryan Tannehill. Take the week off. Yeah,
3: it, it, it's true. Titans fans care too, too much about what the media thinks,
1: but. And I, I feel like I, that's I, probably I, true across the NFL, but at the same time, yeah. the Titans fans are also saying, like, I, I don't. I think Patriots fans, for example, care if a national media person watches that game last night and it's like, yeah, but how sustainable is that? And how scary? Like, sure, you know, Patriots fans going to care about that. But they're also not saying these people don't watch the Patriots. They don't know what they're talking about. And that's the difference.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the media is never going to like the Titans. It's just, it's just- <laughs> They'd have to win a ring. Like, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Is like
0: everybody yeah. feels a lot more secure once they have a ring. Because then they're like, well, you know, that Titans team did win it. So blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it, as long as you can say like that, franchise has never won anything. Like that it feels like you have to, like as a fan base, it feels like you have to prove yourself. And I, but you cannot invest time and energy into that year after year.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: speaking of the media, actually, uh, well, I was going to go into my soft nonsense, but before that, I actually I was watching, or they were showing the Dolphins game this past week against the Giants. Uh, terrible game but at one point they were talking about the titans like john robinson and mike Vrabel were like on the broadcast with you saw that right
0: what yeah it was it took me by surprise it it was this thing about like uh basically about like new england like disciples who've left and they were talking about him and then they were like blah, 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 because uh, like Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator and uh, Judge was the special teams coach in New England, and then they were like, but the Titans have made it work, and then all of a sudden, this graphic with John Robinson, which, it was the most unflattering picture of John Robinson ever, it was like a strong wind was blowing, and he couldn't open his eyes all the way, and it was like, he like looked 10 pounds overweight, like, it was a tough look, and then it was like, brave on the other side, and it's like, Five winning season, like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice uh, shout out.
3: Yeah, that that was cool. We don't don't usually get to see that. So uh, that was a nice change of pace. Um, So for my Stop the Nonsense, it is Courtney Fallon, who used to work for the NFL Network. She's always been in tune uh, with the Patriots. And she decided to piggyback on all the Bill Belichick praise that, that we saw last night. Uh, After the Patriots won with Mac Jones throwing three passes the entire game um, and then running what they run How many running plays did they have like 72 or something uh,
0: that combined they rushed for like 71 rushing attempts
3: Absolutely ridiculous and and they ended up winning uh, and everyone was calling Bill Belichick a genius and whatnot for an amazing game plan uh, even though the Bills just committed mistake after mistake, but anyway, that that's not what that's not what I'm here for. So she tweeted, "Bill Belichick outcoached Sean McDermott on national TV by running a six offensive lineman triple option <laughs> offense, a a Navy sh- midshipman football. Absolutely brilliant." Okay, first of all, first of all, that was not a triple option. Offense, okay, because there was no option for Mac Jones to run the ball like that. <laughs> that is the entire point of the triple option. There was also no no threat of him throwing the ball because they didn't even they didn't even try to hide it. They were just handing off. So there was no triple option here. Uh, and, and the fact that she t- tweeted this, like, uh, like you're a former NFL Network reporter, man, you can't be this this blind to to, to what you're seeing. So. That's that's bad. That you that was some, bad, and, and it really shouldn't
1: happen. Some wild takes coming out yeah, of that like, game last I, night.
3: I
0: don't know if it's because like Belichick had the navy like face mask on, and like it was like ah oh, navy runs that. I saw somebody tweet about that. Like maybe they were running that. It's like no, it's like they were just running jumbo sets and running power and stuff. Like that's not like triple option. It's not veer. It's not any of that kind of stuff.
1: There's some wild takes out of that game. Like everyone going in was like, man, the wind and the playing conditions are going to be impossible. And like I feel like in a game like that, you sort of throw out like obviously the wind matters for standing purposes, but in terms of evaluating a team, like you can't cuz that's not what these teams are going to do normally. But so many people are are trying to like write off the bills because they lost by 4 points in a blizzard. Like just calm down, guys. Context, please.
3: Yeah, and their kicker missed because of the wind uh, in that game. And if that didn't happen, it would have been a a totally different game. Uh, Also, Stephen Diggs dropped a a touchdown. Uh, Gabriel Davis dropped a pass or two. So I I agree. Like, can't judge anything off of that.
1: Did y'all see um, that tweet that PFT Commenter had before the game of that kick of the field goal attempt in pregame warm-ups? That, like, dude kicked it and it just, like, went straight into the stands because of the wind.
0: Yeah, when it was, like, good from 70 or whatever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, crazy. All right, we'll be back next week to recap Titans versus Jaguars. What game's after that?
2: Steelers, Steelers. Oh, at
1: yep. Steelers.
3: That'll be interesting. That's a tough one. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah.
1: At Maybe. Steelers, you know, I don't care who the quarterback is at Steelers is always going to be tough. So until then for a Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app.